Hello everyone and welcome back to this series of episodes on ontology of music. After going through the ontological imperatives, the types of ideas and processes and semiotics versus symbolism in previous episodes, I will start this one with my definitions and descriptions of the types of signs in a musical composition. With reference to the definition of sign, which is a motion or a gesture by which a thought is expressed or a command or wish made known, I distinguish between two types of musical signs embodied by the ontological imperatives, ideas and processes. Both types of signs can occur simultaneously. They are the one, event type, and two, procedural type. In general, an event type sign refers to a singular musical attack, denoting a structural or formal focal point. A sign of the procedural type highlights a temporal conceptualization or a process. Nevertheless, in certain instances, such as with sudden interruptions or emphasized interpolations, signs may appear to fall under the category of events, while in reality pertaining to procedures. Uh, so, the, the, the connection between signs and ontological imperatives, I need to delve more in. Uh, so an ontological imperative, a type of sign, um, a sonic idea can be an event type if the sonic idea pertains to form or foreground, and uh, also a procedural type if the sonic idea pertains to large-scale structure or, and uh, background. The temporal conceptualization is a procedural type sign. Processes are procedural type, but may appear as event type, or be highlighted by simultaneous event type signs. So I hope this uh, clears it up a bit more. The advent of a sign can range from an instantaneously audible foreground appearance to a less obvious onset. From a compositional standpoint, the perception of a sign is not always necessary because its meaning depends on the ontological imperative it supports, irrespective of it being perceived. In general, musically uninformed listeners recognize sonic ideas with a much more relative ease than temporal conceptualizations. So as I have established, ideas and processes constitute the ontological imperatives, and they manifest themselves on different levels through signs. These signs form a semiotic network which sustains itself by means of the associations decided 
to a large extent by the composer, underlined by the performer, and appreciated by the listener, in a tripartite fashion understood from ontological, hermeneutical, and cognitive viewpoints. The science comprising the semiotic network can vary greatly in scope and importance within the framework of a single work. The presumption of Kronos in the creation of a music composition requires the evaluation of signs as they relate to other signs in time. As a consequence, a semiotic network is self-referential, and the understanding of the semiotic weight of each ontological imperative depends on the understanding of the active essence of each sign with respect to other signs. Within a semiotic network, signs can, one, denote a particular non-musically related entity, in which case they have programmatic connotations and or are symbolic. Two, refer to one another. Three, refer to the structure. Four, refer to the form. Five, constitute an internal reference to another part of the composition. Six, constitute an external reference to a different composition. So with the actions that science uh, execute within a semiotic network, I shall finish this episode. Thank you for being with me. Next time we will address a bit the issues of understanding musical ontology. Have a wonderful day. And see you next time. Bye-bye.